Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. The Women's Football Podcast is back and this week we are talking about the dramatic derby in Manchester, the latest from Serie A, Real Madrid finally getting a win and the Ballon d'Or predictions. And this week I will be joined by Alejandro Diago at some point, but I am joined currently by Manchester United Women's Supporters School founder Natalie Boral. How's things, Nat? I'm good, I'm good. Oh. Good, glad to hear it. Now... Let's kick off. We'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of the Champions League games. Of course, the Champions League is on again this week, but we've not spoken about the games that already happened. Of course, Arsenal lost their Champions League game 4-1 against Barcelona. It was their first defeat since February. Now, I kind of felt, I don't know how you felt now, but like all things considered, it could have been a lot worse. (laughs) Like Arsenal shouldn't necessarily be sat there beating themselves up too much because I feel like Barcelona were simply the better team and sometimes there is no kind of embarrassment of losing against a team that is on the level that Barcelona are at. Um, And that's how I kind of felt. Like, it was a shame, but I don't think, with all due respect to them, I don't think anybody was walking into it, um, as fans anyway, football fans thinking, are Arsenal 100%, you know, going to win this game? So Not a chance. And I think, you know... They should take, you know, pride in the performance. They got a, they got a goal from it, you know, and it was a well worked goal. And they brought Tobin Heath on. I think she's a class player. Um, they'll be, they'll be happy. Um, you know. And they did have some chances, did well. didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't think they can, uh, like you say, they shouldn't beat themselves up. They're still doing well in the league, the top of the table. Um, you know, it's just about these next games now because I think Barcelona are gonna basically beat everyone um, until they get into the later stages, then there will probably be some teams that maybe you, could, you might fancy them against, but I think Barcelona will beat everyone in the group stage. And then it's just about them getting the points that they need like now, rather than sitting and worrying over what happens um, versus Barcelona. I think if they get past the group, they, they'll be happy um, with that. And they yeah. should be happy with that. Exactly. They just need to kind of stay in their own lane and focus on on what they're doing. And, you know, like you say, Barcelona will probably win every game. They managed 35 shots at goal. It was absolutely insane. Was there any particular uh, player that stood out for you on the night? Um, I think the first goal scorers were really good. I think the way they linked that and build build up is really good. Um, But Barcelona, they always excel. They always look fabulous. Uh, Graham Hansen, another great player. So... Few of them stood out, but um, I, I think um, you know, thirty-five shots. That's that's. I don't even know. That's probably getting into a record kind of thing with the Champions League, and that's just this is just the group stage. So, you know, Barcelona are obviously just doing their thing, and it, it's great to see for women's football. And you, you know, they're up there, sort of. Well, they are the best team in the world, in my opinion. I would not disagree with that. It is. Um... Yeah, it is great, I think, for the sport. And, you know, if they do get, you know, some big wins and like you say, those kind of stats, you know, it's going to hit headlines and that could only, on the whole, you know, be a good thing. Um, Of course, their their Spanish, um, the other Spanish team that was in the Champions League, Real Madrid, they got a win in their opening Champions League group stage game. Um, They won 1-0. I'm sure when we talk to Alejandro in a bit, he'll let us know how relieved he was probably feeling. But I think, you know, good for Real Madrid to get a win under their belt. Um, Maybe some people might have been expecting a little bit more from them. But considering that they have been struggling in the league, I think, you know, that was a good result for them. And elsewhere, Bayern Munich, they were actually held to a nil-nil draw against Benfica. Now, um, obviously, we don't really talk about the Portuguese league. Um, You know, maybe we should start talking about it on the podcast. But this Benfica side was only founded in 2017. And the two seasons that they've been in the top flight, they've won the league, which is great. But compared to Bayern Munich and Bayern Munich women, you know, as a a foundation, as an institution kind of thing, you know, compared to that, they are quite inexperienced. Um, But Nat, were you um, surprised by the result? Did you think that that Bayern was going to, to win that game or were you were you expecting Benfica to, you know, be able to to get a draw? No, I was surprised, and I think um, 
we I think everyone expected uh, Bayern Munich to go on and win that. But I think it's just sort of showing the growth of women's football as a whole. Like you said, we don't really talk about the Portuguese league, but now people be, you know, fans of women's football will be looking at them because obviously they've taken Bayern Munich, who, you know, win majority of the games in, in the German league quite comfortably, you know, got went far in the last season's Champions League, probably looking to go far again this season. They've taken them for a nil-nil, um, you know, and it, it didn't look out of place. They, like, you know, challenged them right to the end. So I think, you know, it's it's putting that, like you said, Portuguese football on the map. You know, Benfica are a massive club anyway. So for them to get a nil-nil, um, they will be really happy with that. And they'll be thinking, you know, maybe we can get out of the group. And it's that's why I love our group, group stages. It's, it's sort of, you can get these results and it can have influence. On, on a lot of things and it's it's just adding a bit of excitement now I think to the cha- Women's Champions League because we have it in the men's and I think that excitement with a result like this is, is adding uh, to the, the excitement that we have about the Champions League. It really is because like you say you see it time and time again I mean in the Men's Champions League you talk about you know um, Sheriff, the side that got the win recently, and, and you know that gets people talking and stuff like that. And I think with the Women's Champions League, you do look at, you know, like you say, your Barcelona's, your Leons, your Bayern Munich, your Chelsea, and you expect, yeah, they'll probably win this game, they'll probably win this game. So to see these kind of results, it really does just show growth in the game, and it shows that again you know this there isn't really a line between you know men's and women's football in that it's football whatever gender and anything can actually happen and you are going to get these results that are going to make people sit up and take note and stuff and I think that's really great um and you know talking about Leon then it was business as usual for them and PSG they both got wins and of course Ada Hegberg was back for Leon she only played about 10 minutes but still she was back um, again, that this is just a really like good moment in women's football, isn't it? You know, she's won the Ballon d'Or. She is a big name in women's football. So to see her, you know, back in the mix with Leon, she's had so much success with them before. It is good to see her back, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it's, um, you know, she's one of these names that where as women's football is growing, she's not really been in the scene for the last couple of years. And I saw someone saying, I've never really seen her play since I started watching women's football. But it's it's like the the fanfare around it when she came back and everyone's celebrating and it's good to see because she is one of the best players in the world and now I think a whole new generation of fans are going to get to watch her and you know Champions League is out there everyone can watch it now wherever they are and people are going to get to see why she's lauded as such like a greatest player and I'm really happy that, that she's back in the game. Yeah it is a, a really big moment and like you say, say there will be people that you know, there will be some people that are just like fresh into women's football that may not even kind of hear her name and think best in the world. They might, like, oh, who's that? So it it will be good, um, definitely. And, and it'll be good to see because it feels like so many players in her absence have kind of taken this step up and there's more names being talked about when you consider the best. Of course, we'll get onto the Ballon d'Or. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how she slots into it. I mean, I don't think she'll have any problems whatsoever. Um, but yeah, and of course, one of the biggest clashes was Chelsea against Wolfsburg, which ended in a 3-3 draw. This was manic. It was a real battle. And you could tell that, you know, not only did Chelsea desperately want the win, but that maybe Wolfsburg wanted a little bit of revenge and they wanted to kind of state their claim, you know, as well. Nat, what did you make of the game? It was intense, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was end-to-end. It was, you know, I think when Chelsea scored their first goal, I thought, right, this is it. Chelsea going to shut up shop, put them to bed, 3-0. But now Wolfsburg fought back. It was a great goal by Jill Rod and, you know, other great goals in the game. And, you know, they really went at them. They, you know, they pushed them. And then Chelsea fought back. And, you know, I heard Emma Hayes sort of saying we gave away mistakes. But I think Wolfsburg will sort of see it as now we played attacking football and we put it to you and, and we scored great goals and you know this is the excitement like I was saying of the Champions League you know nothing's a foregone conclusion um, anyone can win anything and you know you're getting really top teams top in English team top German team and it's leading to, to a great result like we had Exactly. It is just one of, again, like you say, one of the great things about this competition. And like you say, the great thing about having um, a group stage. Now, of course, we've spoken on the podcast, we spoke about it, I think, last week about, you know, questions over the lack of options regarding Chelsea's fullbacks, whether this could be an issue against tougher attacks. 
And, you know, when you look at Chelsea, there were three defensive errors. Some not not great. It wasn't great moments, of course, you know, and that's what kind of put the visitors in command. And maybe, you know, I'm sure Emma Hayes doesn't strike me as the type of person to kind of sit on a laurel. She's probably like rewatched the game 10 times and made vigorous notes. And you can imagine. Um, and I don't think she'll be taking it lightly, lightly because she is a manager that wants to win every single game. Um, and I, I feel like maybe it's not going to be a big concern, but maybe it is something for her to take note of. And you know what? Unfortunately, even the best teams do make errors. Um, and it was just unfortunate that you've got three errors in one game. But when you have three errors in one game, that is going to make people maybe question it. Do you think that? No, I think so. And I think they are at a point where... You know, I think even at the start of the season when she played Arsenal, people were questioning it. That's how you beat them. You get that, um, get out the full-backs, you get get it wide. Um, you know, I don't want to bring it up as a United fan, but obviously they let, let Hannah Blundell go and she's sort of been fired for United and I've seen people questioning that decision, especially if she didn't bring anyone in. It would, you could say it was a bit of a strange one. Um, obviously, she because she hasn't brought anyone in, she's had to go three at the back and you know, having that many centre-backs, they just don't look, sometimes they don't look comfortable um, all being there. So I think what you said, like you said, top team, so it's happened against Arsenal, it's happened against Wolfsburg. You know, they've got Juventus soon. Will they, they'll be probably looking to take advantage of it. Um, you know, I think against like Leicester and even you can say against us, you know, they could say, oh, maybe we're not of that quality. Um to, to make them sort of punish them, punish the mistakes. But, you know, Arsenal, Wolfsburg, Barcelona, those teams are. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do, see if she changes it, see if she brings in someone in January. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing she probably will bring someone in January. But, you know, what she, January is a long way away. She has to do something now. I mean, this group stage is now. They, they have to pick up points, really, to get out of it. And if, you know, Wolfsburg take advantage, Juventus take advantage, you know, you can say to them, Will they get out of the group? But I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I'm sure, like you said, they'll. She'll have a plan and she'll go on and you know win win the rest. But you know it is probably concerning for Chelsea fans, and I have seen a few of them sort of commenting on on the defence and how it needs to be improved. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I guess what um, you know lies ahead in their next few games. Like you say, they've got Juventus and. Um, if something maybe doesn't go to plan in that Juventus game, you know, would alarm bells be ringing? But like you say, uh, it is a tough group that they're in at the end of the day, but you, you would like to think that they would get out of it. Now, of course, for Chelsea, Penilla had scored their dramatic added time equaliser against a former club. That's going to hurt Wolfsburg. Uh, she's just got a knack of doing that, it seems. Um, and now you think, you know, Wolfsburg are going to be... I feel like they're probably going to be kicking themselves because, you know, they they gave up a, a, a lead, I guess. But at the same time, I think Wolfsburg fans should be feeling proud of the performance because it kind of proves that, you know, we've spoken before on the podcast about Wolfsburg were, you know, this fantastic, great, great in women's football. And maybe some people are questioning, have they gone by the wayside? Have they started slipping a little bit? And I think that performance was quite poignant to kind of say, no, we're still a team that needs to be respected in this game. We still, you know, have good players. We still have what it takes to, you know, disrupt things. So I guess all in all, kind of like mixed emotions coming out of the game, do you think? Yeah, definitely, because I think they will be thinking, you know, we're 3-1 we're, we're up. We should have really uh, got, gone, got those points. But they will be thinking, you know, last time um, we played Chelsea, they beat us, so we sort of you know, we've raised our standard, we've improved uh, and that's how I think the fans and I'm sure the manager should look at it and then obviously maybe uh, the next game they will beat them, you know, that's what they should be looking, you know, they're building slowly, it's maybe not where where you want to be, being, like you said, being where where it was, but, you know, from from last year to this year, it's shown massive massive improvements and they might even be thinking, you know, we should have taken even more advantage because we knew that they had problems at fullback. But you know, you can't look at it like that. You know, Chelsea fought to the end, like you say, harder popped up, and that's what she's been doing. When they need a goal, she's been popping up for them and scoring. So uh, that's why you got top class players uh, playing for you because you know when you are struggling, when you are going through a little bit of a patch, 
uh, and and everyone's not scoring. You know, she's the one who's got on the score sheet and got got them that point. So, you know, Emma Hayes will probably be a bit grateful to her that that she got that. But um, you know, I, I understand if there is that disappointment, but overall, she should be happy. Yeah, away from home as well. Ex- exactly. That's the other thing as well. Um, and like we say, you know, for Chelsea, there's no rest. Of course, this week there are Champions League fixtures, and it's a big one, you know, against Juventus. And I think, you know, some people can argue that Juve aren't proven in Europe, but I think that you know they could be Chelsea could be tested by them. They have two brilliant goal scorers, and you know, Barbara Bonancia, Cristiano Guerrelli. Um, they they have good players. They have, of course, former Arsenal coach um, Joe Montemurro at the helm. Um, and obviously he does have experience um, playing against Chelsea that I'm sure he will be taking into this game. Um, and Nat, do you feel like for Juventus, they should be seeing this as an opportunity, you know, like no shade to Chelsea at all. But, you know, Juventus should be looking at this as an opportunity to exploit some of those weaknesses that we saw against Wolfsburg, right? Yeah, 100% because... Like I said, you know, Barcelona last year, um, Arsenal this season, and then Wolfsburg, why shouldn't they be looking to take advantage? And I think they've got the players, you said it, Barbara Bonacia, you know, they're doing well themselves. They'll be looking to, they should be going for it, they're playing at, uh, uh, um, I forget the name of the stadium, me, but they're playing at the men's stadium and, you know, there'll be a big crowd behind them, home advantage. For me, I think, yeah, go for it, you know, it's time to put Italian football on the map people might not you know who watch WSL might not know as much about it but it's time to sort of show doesn't matter what we've done in Europe we have a lot of experience behind us and like you say the coach is very experienced now he's been in Europe a couple of times uh he's seeing this as sort of like a big test for him to sort of prove himself so for me I'm I think you know Chelsea didn't look that great even in the in the last WSL game. I know it was all all changed team, but you know it took them a while. Like I said, until Pernil Harder popped up. And I think as long as you keep a few of the the the, the attacking players quiet, um, I think they will get opportunities to go and score. Um, I think other teams have shown that you can score against Chelsea. So for me, if I was a Juventus fan, I'd be thinking, yeah, let's go get some points. We're at home. We can do it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, what's your prediction going into this game? I feel like, for some reason, I'm thinking a draw again. I'm thinking um, 2-2 for some reason. What are you thinking? Yeah, that'd be a good one. I think 2-2 or Chelsea could win it 3-2. I don't think Mm. it's going to be, you know... It's not going to be a landslide, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it will be tough and I think Juventus will get a couple of goals. So, you know, yeah, 2-2 sounds good for me. Yes, well, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in those Champions League games and how those groups are looking. Um, meanwhile, we'll, we'll chat about the Women's Super League as over the weekend there was a huge, dramatic Manchester derby taking place that ended up 2-2. Nat, how were you feeling going into this fixture? I was excited, but I was nervous. I think mm. I'm always nervous. It's a derby. I think everyone put Man United as the favourites, which, yeah, I could understand why City had lost three in a row. Um, but I think when it's a derby, all that goes out the window. There's yeah. no way that they were going to lose that or want to lose that. So I think they were going to up their game 100% just to sort of keep some pride. And especially that being at LSV, I think they wouldn't have wanted to to sort of get beat and then be in front of the, the, the crowds that were coming. So um, I was nervous. Uh, obviously, with what happened at Chelsea, I was nervous because, you know, we had had a good start, but, you know, Chelsea was the first big game and, and it didn't go the way we wanted, so I was nervous. But I think when it started, it, it was it was a good game and I, I was happy overall. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. And it, it was, I, I agree, form goes out the window almost when it comes to derby games. Um, and, you know, despite being, you know, credit where credit's due to Man City, you know, despite being 10 players down at half-time, it was still one nil to them, um, and on the whole, you know, considering they were they were down to ten players, um, you know, they they responded well. Um, I mean, I don't think we need to even talk about the red card because it was one hundred percent a red card. I know that um, the player has been subjected to a little bit of abuse on social media, which obviously nobody condones, and it's it's not right. Um, but I don't think there's any arguments about that. Um, but f- you know, for United, like you say, that they were. 
um, favourites going into this game. And it was the only thing that I'm kind of walking away feeling a little bit, mm, I don't know, is that it was a great opportunity to exploit City's current weaknesses. And it is a shame that we couldn't hold on to the 2-1 lead. But at the same time, you know, a draw is a point and you never know in the league when you might think, oh, you know what, it could have been worse. At least we've got one point. And that could add to, you know, the the points in as we go on into the season. You don't know when that might, you know, come up. But I feel like for the managers, it will be a very different kind of feeling. I feel like, you know, Gareth Taylor will probably be walking away feeling relieved because I don't know about you, Nat, but I feel like had he have lost that game, and had he have lost that game badly? Because you could tell that he was, I mean, obviously you were there, but it, it came across like he was a little bit panicked. He was a little bit panicked in, in that, you know, you've had a player sent off. Um, yeah, they scored a goal. But before that goal, it looked like it was almost written that, yeah, you're going to have an absolute mare today. And, and they were lucky that they didn't. Um, but I feel like he's probably feeling very relieved because I feel like had they have lost that, there would have been serious, serious questions. And I feel like, you know, for the for the United manager, Mark Skinner, maybe he's walking away feeling like it might be a missed opportunity. Um, but, you know, for United, do you feel like there are still some positives? Because the Reds did carry far more attacking threat in the second half, I felt. Yeah. Um, we, I think, basically, we should, have, we should have won. But we need to look at it in that, you know, we rarely, you know, We've won against City once. We played them about five times. I can't. I can't remember. But you know, we need to look at it. We, we when we played them, we've always narrowly lost, apart from um, the one last season towards the end. And then obviously there was the two-two last year as well. That was a bit more thrilling. That was a bit more, you know, we fought back. Whereas this is, we were we were two-one up, and it was ten minutes. So that's why it's sort of. I understand why people think it was sort of an opportunity lost. And we threw it away, but I think there's still a lot, a long way to go with 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 Mark Skinner for Man United because I feel like he's just getting them to play the way he wants. Yet I think this is not the way he wants fully. I think you know he's only been there a couple of months. Uh, he's not even managed to get any of his own kind of players. Obviously, we've got great players already, but you know he's not managed to to add any magic that he might want. You know he's just sort of been dropped in and told go. Um, and, you know, there's a certain style that we were used to playing and he obviously probably has his own style and I don't think we're yet fully playing the way that um, he wants. So I think with what happened at Chelsea and then, you know, I think we potentially went in it with a bit, a bit of caution, not going for it as much. You know, I think even watching it, I was watching it and I was thinking, press a bit more, come on, press a bit more. Um and they didn't really do that in the first half. And I think even if you look at their goals, I know people have I've heard people say about our goals, but you know, the first one, free header in the box, obviously Kadisha Shaw, someone I praised a lot, who I really rate, but you know, free header and then obviously the save that Mary made, it hit off the back of her head and then fell to Ellen White. So obviously, you know, I think we were a bit bit unlucky. Uh but there were sort of things that, that can be rectified quickly in a way. It's not something like, oh my god. You know, they ripped us apart and we have to improve exponentially. I think it's right if we just tighten up there, don't let them cross, don't let them shoot, um, we can do better. And I think if we sort of believe a bit more and attack more in the way that he wants and I think it'll come in time, then, you know, maybe the reverse one will be different. And I think just where we're at now, we just need to be happy um, not saying don't be frustrated. Obviously, you know we should be frustrated, and Taylor probably feeling a bit, um, how can I say, a bit relieved, and you know he's been let off the hook. But you know we'll come back round and we'll we'll put them back on the hook. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I I I get exactly what you're saying. In that you know what take away the positives from it, and like you say, it's a step in the right direction to get into a place where. Um, you know, people aren't as maybe nervous going into derbies thinking, are we going to get thrashed kind of thing? But you're going into it more with people feeling more comfortable that we're on that level playing field because that, I think that draw was a great step in the right direction. Like you say, it will come with the manager. And I think for the next derby, we will be, you know, I'm really hoping, I'm expecting that we're going to be in a much stronger position. And I think, you know, taking aside, you know, United bias or anything like that, just looking at the game as a football fan, 
it was great to watch and it was extremely entertaining. And I am so, obviously I'm not glad that a, a player got sent off. The foul was not good whatsoever. But regarding the actual football that was being played, I'm so glad that it was so entertaining because the derby attracted a record peak of 1.1 million on BBC One. And there were also 114,000 live streams. Uh, the television figures surpassed the 800,000 viewers BBC One received on the opening day of the season for the match between Everton and Manchester City. And this just shows that it works, you know, getting women's football on the television, getting it out there, um, spreading the word, getting more fans to to get involved. It is working and you look at those numbers and it's great. And I just hope that, you know, it's already um, been, a, you know, we've had one peak with the Everton City game, now another peak. Who knows, you know, what kind of audiences it's going to attract as it continues. And I think it's, you know, just really really great to see and I'm really happy about it um and like I say I'm glad that it was entertaining for fans and that will leave fans thinking oh right is there another derby coming up when can I watch that is there a London derby blah 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 I think it's really good um and meanwhile for Manchester City like you say that you know the manager maybe just got off the hook with that game they do have a cup game against Everton the international break then a meeting with Chelsea at the end of the month now do you think this break is coming maybe at the right time for City Definitely, because obviously, you know, um, they'll want to be getting players back, getting players, if, if they can't get players back, getting maybe some young players more time. I don't know. I know he's might not be the most keen on them, but, you know, they need to get bodies in there, um, in the squad, training with them, training up, training together. The ones that are coming back, this gives them that time, that breathing space. So, yeah, he, he will be happy that the last WSL game was, was a draw, not another defeat. Um, and then obviously, you know, like you said, they've got Everton. Won't be easy, but um, they've beaten Everton before, and I'm sure, you know, they'll be looking to to maybe do a bit of rotation and maybe get some players more minutes that need it. But you know, they'll be happy that they can they can you know rest for a bit. They've not got another game for quite a while, and then um, you know. Hopefully they've got more players coming back in once it um, starts again. Yeah, exactly. I think this will be a big... Um... A, a big test after this break, you know, once they've got players back, because I know that's been the excuse quite a bit, you know, oh, we don't have all our players, there's injuries, blah, blah, blah. This should be more than enough time for one or two names to come back, perhaps. And yeah, the proof will be in the pudding with them. Now, meanwhile, we have got Alejandro Diago, who is joining us now. How are things? Very good, very good. Nervous for today, Real Madrid Women's Champions League fixture. But very, with very confident, as Cristiano will say, siempre confiantes. <laughs> Good. Now, how are you feeling after that first game? They got that win. We'll talk about the league, but you know, that Champions League game, you were happy that they got off to a good start in the group. Yeah, really. It was, it was, a, it was a relief and it was like a liberation after many, many defeats in a row, many bad sensations that finally the ball entered the net. It was like, <laughs> Finally, the the break, the bad the bad strike strike is over, and Real Madrid can now start to build something in positive. Then, after Eibar, we won also, so that's another another good point. But really, the 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 illusion is on 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 this Wednesday fixture of Champions League against Brighton League. In theory, Real Madrid is favourite, but let's see how how it goes because uh, I think uh, the the Icelandic team they will not put the things easy to Real. Yes, that is true. It, it will be a bit of a test for them. And like you say, you know, they got their first win of the season in the league, that 2-1 victory. Um, Nat, you know, looking at Real Madrid, um, do you think that maybe getting that first win from the Champions League game, now the first league win, give Alejandro some hope here, Nat. It means that we're going to start seeing now the quality that this team has, surely. Yeah, 100%. I think winning... Breeds winning, so they won in the Champions League, they won in the league, so, you know, now they've got another Champions League game, if they get another win there, then they'll be confident going into the league again. Um, you know, I've been surprised about their their start, um, but they had a really good good game against City, obviously, just before the group stage started, and then they'd started in the league and they'd just been losing, but, you know, like I said, now they're on the winning run, so I'm sure Alejandro will be thinking, we need more over this and we're going to keep winning and yes. you know I wish them luck for, for the Champions League game. Definitely. Now I have to ask you Alejandro, 
We have still not seen Esther Gonzalez find the back of the net. Hopefully that will be changed in the Champions League game. Are you in any way concerned or does she just, you know, need a moment? Because I think the whole team have maybe needed a moment, perhaps. They, she, and as, as all the teams, she needs a moment, really. We saw Esther Gonzalez in the first leg against Manchester City, how participative she was, how... Uh, how she was giving 200% for the team. Sadly, the ball didn't enter the net, but I'm sure we will see Esther Gonzalez scoring goals for Real Madrid in a few in a, in a few weeks. That's for sure. Yes, fingers crossed, because we want to see the best players at their best, definitely. Now, some players that are at their best is, of course, Barcelona. We've already spoken about them in the Champions League, but they managed to get a 3-0 win over Atletico Madrid. Their unbeaten run came to an end. Now, now we've seen Atletico beat Barcelona before. Obviously, it's not happened now. But with this in mind, and the fact that Atletico have had quite a good start, um, were you expecting maybe a little bit more from them? Um, because, like I say, you know, they have, they're one of the few teams that have managed to get a, a, a win over Barcelona recently. So, yeah, were you feeling a little bit like mm, maybe we should have seen a bit more from them? Or do you think, in hindsight, similar to the Arsenal situation, they were perhaps just lucky to walk away, you know, only conceding three goals? Yeah, I think, you know, when Atletico, they went for a bit of a bad patch last year, and, and now they do look back on it they look they look good they have a lot of good players young spanish players as well but i think yeah this barcelona team is is another level and you know it's just so easy for them uh, they can swap they can they can change and i think that they've stepped it up to that next level you know and you know there's the players that they have on the bench even sometimes you think oh my god um so i think you know for for atletico for it just to be 3-0 lost then yes they might I wanted to get a goal or maybe get a draw, but I think, like you said, like with Arsenal, I think you just need to be happy that it's not, um, you know, too badly, uh, too many. It's not six, you know. So I think, <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 good for it's not it's not uh, the season sort of over for Atletico. They they still can do a very good season this year. Yeah, definitely. There's still, you know, those, um, you know, a, a Champions League spot to play for. Um, Alejandro, do we just feel like this is going to be another unbeaten run in the league? Because I guess, like I say, Atletico was was the only one of the only teams really that have beaten them before. Um, so if they can't beat them, do you just feel like nobody can? Really, the thing is that there is. I'm I'm sorry to say, but. There is no team nowadays that can face Barcelona in, the, in either in the league nor in the Champions League. We saw mm. in the last last week against Arsenal. Really, Arsenal was a toy in the hands of Barca. They they managed the, uh, Arsenal as they won. They played with them easily during the 90 minutes. So we, and with Atlético Madrid, of course, I was hoping a little bit more of resistance from the Colchoneras, but. It's it's painful to say, but it's is the, is the reality, and you can do nothing against the reality. Barca is the best team now at the moment, and only in a in 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 a one in a one game in a one game title can 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 happen anything different than a Barca win. Yeah, I I agree, and of course, like I say, they remain unbeaten. And another team that is still unbeaten is Real Sociedad. They beat Real Vallecano three one. But they do face Levante at the weekend and then Barcelona at the end of the month. So perhaps they won't be going into November unbeaten. But still, they're currently unbeaten. Nat, have you been impressed so far? Yeah, I think Real Sociedad are a great team. Uh, I think even last year, you know, they did try and fight till the end uh, with the Champions League. It was very competitive last year's Champions League places. They might not be around it this time, but, you know, they, they will be confident going into Levante. I know Levante is a very good team as well, but you know they'll be thinking we can get 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 something from that. So it could it could be a draw. I don't I don't know, but you know uh, I have been impressed. They've got young Spanish players that look very good. So um, you know, I think it's onwards and upwards for them as well. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Alejandro? Is it good to see a, a another team up there un, unbeaten alongside Barcelona, even if it might not be for a long time? <laughs> Of course, really, of course, and being Real Sociedad is a team that can, that shows that a rebuilding is possible 
and a rebuilding and coming back in a successful way, it, it can be real. Uh, we saw that, we remember that Real Sociedad with Naikari and all the stars that won the Copa del Rey two years ago against Atletico Madrid. They need to face one year of uh, reconversion after last year that, for example, some of the players, uh, it was the moment when, when they retired and and and, at the, and on the summer they they announced the departure of many important players. For example, Maria Sunquiñones went to Athletic Club, uh, Naikari went to Real Madrid. But uh, the re- the rebuilding is possible, and Real Sociedad it's showing that if they give time, not maybe this year, but in two or three years, if the th- if, if the thing continues very well, it can be a team that can be one of the most funny teams to watch in the in the women's league. Yeah, it, it is good to see, and like you say, proof that that a rebuild is possible. Now, over in um, Syria and Sassuolo are at the top of the table, still level on points with Juventus at the top, but both teams have got six wins from six. Now, for Sassuolo last season, they finished third, only one point behind AC Milan in second. They've already beaten Milan this season. They will face Juventus in December and Roma at the end of the month. Now, they brought in Tamar Dunga, Sofia Cantore, Lana, Cleland, um, you know, all new in the team, and they've all been effective. They've all found the back of the net. Um, Cantore has been playing really, really well. Alejandro, does it seem like Sassuolo are really trying to continue building from the success of last season? And would you say that, you know, these summer loans and purchases, they, they are paying off for them? For sure, really, one of the good things is uh, of the last season in Serie A is that Sassuolo made a campaign, so that uh, a very wonderful campaign, and this year they are going to try to go a step further. It's going to be difficult because in front they will have good teams such as Rome, Milan, or even Juventus, but I'm sure that they can be one of the teams that can be the the dark horse in the in the Serie A. I agree. I mean, Nat, what have you made of them, and do you think that? Are you feeling positive that they can maintain this form? Because, like I say, they have already beaten Milan. Mm, and I think it's positive that, you know, you're seeing a team that, you know, that did they, they try last season and they're still pushing on. So I think that's definitely a positive. And Lana Cunningham, good player. So, you know, they're, they're adding um, quality players that have experience. Yes, maybe not um, necessarily in the in the in the in the Spanish in the French league in the Italian league, but you know, good experience from elsewhere international so you know they, they, they have a plan where they want to to move up the table and like you say beat in Milan I'm you know it's good to see another team that's in there and adding to the to the competitive nature of the, the league I agree I think adding to that competitiveness in Italy is an absolute must and like I say, Juventus are continuing, you know, as usual, to perform very well, um, unbeaten, like I say. Alejandro, what have you made of the manager, you know, Joe Montemore at the club? And do you feel like he has done well to continue, you know, steering this Juventus ship in the correct direction? Yeah, he's doing quite well. Of course, changing Australian national team from, from for Juventus is a risky movement, but I think we have seen a very nice Juventus in the beginning of the year. Let's see how the situation evolves and how the season goes further. But I think Juventus can make maybe may can maybe a candidate to repeat the successful season of last year. And let's see if in Champions League they can do a bit better. And I know that they have Chelsea on his group, on their on the on, on, on their group. Sorry, but it can be they can be quite a funny team in the Champions League too. Yeah, I agree. I think it will be really interesting to see how they do in the Champions League because that is, you know, a must, I think, for Juventus to kind of be put on that map like we've seen, um, you know, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, etc., PSG, you know, being put on that map in Europe. It's important that they join it as well. And Real Madrid, of course, as well. Now, you know, the manager has spoken about his love of Juventus in Australia. He was playing for a club that I think was inspired by Juventus, regarding like the kit and all those good things. Nat, do you think that this will, you know, maybe play a major role in his time at the club? Um, Because we thought that when he left Arsenal, he wanted a break from everything. And then he said, you know, he got this phone call and he couldn't pass it up, Um, you know, as an Italian immigrant that was living in Australia, etc. He has this love for the team, for Italy. Do you think all of this is, you know, going to play a major role in, in everything and help with the passion 
for him to want to achieve big things because it seems like a really nice story that you've got a manager as we've seen you know before with different stories across football all over the world that you've got a manager that clearly just has a lot of love for the club that he's managing yeah and I think um like you said I think he left um Arsenal and maybe he didn't fall out of love but I think there was a you know a few issues he 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 wasn't going the way he wanted um and like you say I think he potentially did think about taking in a break but like you said the call came in and you know the way he talked about it the way he talked about like this is his biggest challenge and he doesn't want to do anything else it's like a fad leading mm. Juventus so it is it, it could go one or two ways it could go like that way that fairy tale you know obviously we know he's going to give his all but he could uh, I do think a lot of it's going to like what uh, Alejandro says he, they need to do well he's coming in with that experience of Champions League experience of playing in Europe and you know I'm pretty confident that they will do well in the in in the league and they will win the league it's just they will be wanting him to 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 take in that next step in the champions league and obviously he'll be wanting that too so there'll be that pressure but um you know as fans and he's a fan of the club uh i'm sure he's relishing it yeah he will be and you know alejandro you just spoke about you know Europe and the Champions League and everything. Do you feel like the pressure of performing well in Europe, do you think that this could maybe affect their league form or do you look at this Juventus team and think they are strong enough to deal with both? The thing that Juventus need to need to, need to plan about is that how do this, the season want to be? Of course, they could be a, a good underdog in Champions League, but they cannot do, they cannot uh, mortgage the season in Europe for uh, for not not fighting for what they are done for that, that is at least to win the Serie A again because they have they have the team they have they have the the structure to to be again again Serie A champions and have a safer spot in the Champions League from next year. Yeah, it it is going to be very important for them, and I can't wait to see what happens in that group because you know it's it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in all the Champions League groups, as we were talking about earlier. But one last thing that we have got to talk about is the Ballon d'Or nominees. So I thought that we could maybe go through some of well, all of the nominees really, and have a chat about who we think could be winning this um, this trophy. So, from the Women's Super League, we've got Fran Kirby, Jessie Fleming, Vivian Miedema, Ellen White, Penila Harder, Sam Kerr, Magdalena Eriksson. Now, I'll come to you first. Out of all of those players, which one from the Women's Super League, at least, do you think deserves it the most? I think uh, Fran Kirby, I think she had a fantastic season. She started the season well as well. Um, she was sort of integral for me, for... Um, Chelsea doing as well as they did last year. I know she didn't play much in the um, the Olympics, but you know, for me, I think everything she did in Europe for Chelsea and even in league, uh, it'll have to be her for me. Yeah, how about you, Alejandro? Say more or less. I would say Frank Kirby, she deserves also, but I will add also Pernille Harder and Sam Kerr. They are both big candidates to win after the season in Europe and I think that uh, they should be on a fight uh, not fighting for it because I have a, a clear favourite you, you, I think you know who it is I think but, I do, uh, yes <laughs> but, but I think that they should be on the, on the, top, on the top 10 of the, of the, of the Ballon d'Or I, I agree 100% um, I am glad to see Jesse Fleming's name there Um 100% but as in no shade to her or anybody else in this list but I feel like out of it's going to be those Chelsea three that I think have got to be um at the top with that and of course in France we have got Ashley Lawrence, Canietti Diani, Irene Paredes although technically also Barcelona um Marie Antoinette Cototo all from PSG and Wendy Reynard and Christian Endler from Lyon now, are you surprised to only see two Leon players? Um, or not really, because at the end of the day, not to be mean, but they didn't win a trophy, I guess. Yeah, and that's just how you have to look at it. They yeah. didn't win a trophy. So they don't... I mean, you could even... I don't want to say, like, no one don't, doesn't deserve to be there, <laughs> but you could say, you know, Wendy Renard didn't have the best season. 
And I think Enla, because obviously you could say she was playing at PSG and, you know, she for me is one of the best keepers in the world. So, and, they, and PSG did win um, the league. So that's why you see more PSG players than, than Leon. And that's, that's a simple fact of it. Yeah. What about you, Alejandro? Good to see maybe so many PSG uh, players for a change because normally, you know, it's just all about Leon. Yeah, normally it's Lyon, but really this season has uh, PSG has been the team that has dominated France, and and I will say I will say that they have arrived farther than 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 Lyon in Europe. So really, it's it's a it's a matter of uh, that they have been much better. And uh, mm. and if you give me a favorite of the French league, I will say Ile de Paredes. Yeah. What? How about you, Nat? Who's your favorite from the uh, the French league? I, I would. Say again, I can't say a name as good as uh, Alejandro, but <laughs> Paredes. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, I think Enla, I do like Enla as well. So, um, one of those two, yeah, I think you know what, I, I love a player like um. Wendy Reynard, who's kind of one of those players that's like been there, seen it all, a player that I love to see when respect is put on a name, but yeah, you didn't win, so I'm sorry. Um, but um, yeah, Paredes for me as well, you know, very talented player. And of course, we come to the big league now, to Spain, and um, for Barcelona, we have got Jennifer Hermoso, Alexia Poteas, Elike Martins, uh, Sandra Panos, Alejandro, we're coming to you first. Who deserves it the most from the Spanish league? I think that if this year uh, France football doesn't give Ballon d'Or to Alexia Putellas, I think maybe we should cancel the tournament forever. Yes, everything's cancelled. No, 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 really. That is the thing. That is the thing. She has been the best player in Europe this season. She has won the treble with Barcelona. She is the, 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 I mean, not the captain, but the key player of the Spanish national team. Mm. What else, really? What else do, do, do does she need to, to do? do? Yeah. <laughs> what else? Yeah. No, I, I completely, I agree with you completely. What about you, Nat? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to go against. No. Yes. We're not going against you. We stand 100%. with you completely, and we are ready to boycott whatever we need to boycott with you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> no just, ki- just kidding, of course. Um, now, we actually have from Hacken, my apologies if I butcher her name, um, Stina Blackstenius, and we've got Samantha Muse from North Carolina Courage, and Christine Sinclair from Thorns FC. Um, Alejandro, were you expecting maybe more nominees from the USA? Not so much because really we are seeing that nowadays the the biggest the biggest leagues the biggest uh, the big the big packs they are played in Europe and we mm. are seeing that nowadays the the European leagues they I think they they are overtaking the national women's so, uh, uh, soccer league uh, in in a, in a tremendous way so in that in in that in that case I think that. Uh, I, I'm not. I wasn't expecting many players from the US because also this year also the US national, women's national team didn't have a wonderful campaign in the in the, in the Olympics. Also. Exactly. I feel like had they have done better in the Olympics, maybe we would have seen one or two more names. What about you, Nat? Were you surprised or did you expect it? No, not surprised. <clears throat> I, I didn't expect. Well, I don't even know which way I'm saying it. Yeah, but, you know, I, I even think you could even say maybe. She, now, I do think Sam Mewis did have a good season for Man City, so I think you've got to give her that. But like we said, the, the league was sort of stop-start-ish over there. I know it did eventually get done and they did the Challenge Cup and all that, but, you know, um, uh, I know uh, the, the US Women's National Team didn't do very well in the Olympics, so they shouldn't be called up. So I think if Sam Mewis is the only one, then, then yes, OK, but... I don't think she'll be uh, winning it uh, this year, to be honest. And, you know, it's good to see, like what Alejandro says, European leagues are doing very well. European um, women's national teams are doing very well. And maybe it's sort of like an our takeover in Europe are going to dominate for a bit. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I completely agree. And I think I think part of it is because, um, as, as well, these big names in Europe have got these big teams. Um you know, like I say, like you've you've got a, a brilliant, you know, Barcelona team. You've got a really good up and coming Real Madrid team. You've got PSG. All these big names that have got the the are big names in football, men's or women's football. 
Um, and I guess if you're in Europe and you're looking at um, the, the women's league, you don't look at North Carolina Courage and think you you don't like associate a men's team with that and think, oh yeah, they've won this. Do you know what I mean? Whereas when you look at PSG, you already think big money, big players, good football. So I, maybe that plays a role in it. I don't know, but I, I'm all here for a European takeover 100%. Now, Alejandro, were there any names missing from the list for you or were you happy with the names that are in there? I miss one name and I miss one name that, it's it's a name that it, I don't I don't understand why it's it's not between the top twenty players. I will say uh, where is uh, Caroline Graham Hansen, for example? Mm. Where yeah. is where is her uh, after the season? We we are we have been, I'm I'm talking and I'm the one who is defending that this year they should give Alexia Ballon d'Or. But really, one thing is that uh, without players like uh, Caroline Graham Hansen, Barca wouldn't have reached the 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 titles they have reached this season. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying completely. How about you, Nat? Any names missing? Yeah, Hanson, Graham Hanson, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, you could probably even put the whole Barcelona squad in, you know, Mappy <laughs> you know, people could speak about her. She's a name that's obviously done very well for Barca. But, yeah, there's, there's players that have done well, maybe not for the club, but then they've done very well in the Olympics, and that's sort of what's what's given them that, that push. Um, and obviously, it's it's hard to get that balance of because in the Olympics there wasn't every team wasn't like a World Cup, whereas every national team is just certain national teams. So, you know that that's obviously had an influence maybe on why she wasn't there. But yeah, I think yeah she deserves it 100%. Graham Hansen. Yeah, I I would agree with you guys on that one. Now, let's finish things off with who is your maybe top three for the Ballon d'Or, first, second and third. Um, Alejandro, I'll start with you. My, my, The winner of this year is clear for me, it's Alexia. Yes. Mm-hmm. I will say nothing else. On <laughs> the top two, I will, I will put uh, Lique Martins. Yeah. And on the top three, I will put Jennifer Hermoso. Very nice. I, I, like the, I like the idea of, you know, a Spanish league takeover. How about you, Nat? Yeah, I'm going to disagree a bit, but I am going to go Alexia. Mm-hmm. Then I think I'm going to go Fran Kirby, and then I'm going to go Lukey Martins. Nice. See, I am going with what you're saying, um, Nat, but I think maybe maybe Sam Kerr instead of Fran Kirby. Yeah. That would be my only change. But I think it's safe to say that obviously, you know, we are all rooting for Alexia. And, and I agree, I think she 100% deserves it and I really really hope that she does get it but I think you know the the women that have been nominated obviously big congratulations to them and I think without sounding you know a bit too cringe like we're not at the Oscars but whoever wins this um I think is is definitely deserving and it's great to see um you know all of these names in the mix and yeah good luck to all of them and I cannot wait to watch the draw so that is it for today's women's football podcast a big thank you to my guest to Alejandro and to Nat for joining me and to all of you for listening as always if you do want to get in touch it is podcast at onefootball.com and make sure that you head to Spotify Apple Music etc to hear more from OneFootball <laughs>